0: Books are a uniquely magical doorway beyond the things we know. Not only do they tell us that dragons exist, but they can be beaten and overcome. In today's charged atmosphere, books show us we're not alone. They help us understand our heartbreaks and joys. They connect us to others who feel and have felt the same. Books and reading allow us to live a thousand lives, sending us soaring into the world outside of ourselves, not to escape but to survive. For it is often said that the greatest secrets seem to be found in the most unlikely places. Welcome to the podcast, Books Are Magical. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Books Are Magical podcast. My name is Alicia. I'm one of your co-hosts. And with me, as always, is Rachel. Rachel, how are you doing? I am doing pretty well. So I am over here in Huntsville, and we've had a a little
1: bit of a rainy day last night and today, and I've been loving it because I have this really nice, nice like, kind of little view that kind of overlooks the pool, and it's so relaxing to just like listen to the rain and like watch it just pitter patter into the pool. And honestly, it's been perfect reading weather. I, um, I have this like egg chair, this hanging egg chair on my patio, and mm-hmm. I'm my pat it's it's in such a way that I don't get wet and I can sit on my patio, I can have my like phone and I can read my books on my NetGalley account and I can just have my cup of coffee or my water or what have you. Oh. I tell you, it was I am so glad I took this week off to just kind of decompress and relax. And uh it was it was kind of the perfect day. So I did a lot of really great reading. <laughs>
0: Well, you deserve it, sister. Absolutely. Uh, We were talking a little bit before we hit record, and this was a book um, a lot of times. So I'm the one who goes on to NetGalley and I look at, oh, this was just released and I'll click it. And when we talk about books, like a lot of times I don't want to grab all the good ones. So I'm like, okay, you know, like I want to make sure that we talk about it. I'm like, oh, did you want this one? Or no, I really want that one. And, you know, we can swap or do what Mm -hmm. we need to do. And I remember you, so you took this one. I was like, you know what? I really wanted it, but I'm going to read it anyways, because it looks so good. And the name of the book is The Heir to Blackwood Library by Hester Fox. Did I say that correctly? The
1: Last Heir of Blackwood Library. Uh
0: No, you were close. You were really close. The Last (laughs) Heir of Blackwood Library. Yep awesome so I want to hear all about this book that I was kind of sad to give you but I did it because I felt like it was the right thing to do
1: well so you know usually we have between okay on a on a slow month, we have like six books. So you take three and I take three. Uh, on a busy mm-hmm. month, we have about ten. And um, you take five and I take five. So sometimes it's just yeah. how we're breaking it out. Like, you know, if you've read something by one author in the past before, then you'll usually take that particular book. Or if I've read something by an author before, then I'll take that book just because we have previous mm-hmm. knowledge Um I think when it came down to this particular book, I don't know if you wanted Divine Rivals that came out on the same day. I think that was and it. So I took this one. I Be- love Ross. Yeah, exactly. So I think that was what happened is that we were each trying to take one or the other. Like we were trying to share. So we, so I think that's yeah. what I remember. But, um, I will say that I usually love. That kind of mystery vibe, anything in a library, anything in a bookstore, those sort of vibes always, always catch me. So just the title alone mm-hmm. um, had me hooked. I was like, I need to read this book. Um, and then to say the last heir of Blackwood Library made me think, okay, well, um, what's going to happen? Why are they the last heir? Um Made me think spooky ghost vibes, made me think very gothic mystery vibes, um, kind of Victorian, you know, those sorts of things. Like, I had all these little feelings walking into this story. But before I get started, I'd like to go over the Goodreads stats. So before I do that, do you have any questions or any uh, comments or anything? No, ma'am. All right. All right. So. The Last Air of Blackwood Library, currently on Goodreads, has 3.75 stars. It released on April 4th of this year, so we are a few days behind, and I do apologize because that was probably my fault due to actually being, yeah. <laughs> due to moving um, over the weekend, and we just did not get to record this episode. Um I know you asked me last week, you're like, are you ready to record? And I had finished reading the book, but I was literally up to my eyeballs in boxes and was so stressed out, I couldn't sleep. And I was like, no, girl, I cannot. (laughs) I was just going to be absolutely (laughs) honest. Last week was not the week for it. So I'm so glad we get to do it this week. Um, Yay. The author is Hester Fox. This um, This book is 336 pages, and Hester Fox has written approximately... Four other books, all in the similar, um, and I say similar, but more like in that kind of gothic ish vibe vein, um, Mm -hmm. So I would say if you are a fan of this particular book and if you've picked it up or if after this review you're interested in reading it, also give her other books a look because you may be interested in what she has to offer. Um, She seems like she would be a really cool person. I was kind of reading her little bio and she seems like the kind of person that I would like to get to know just overall. Like I feel like she would be kind of cool. Um, With that being said, I will give you... The summary, I'm probably not going to read this full summary off of Goodreads, but I will a little bit. With a stroke of a pen, 23-year-old Ivy Radcliffe becomes Lady Hayworth, owner of a sprawling estate in the Yorkshire Moors. Ivy has never heard of Blackwood Abbey or the ancient bloodline from which she's descending, With nothing to keep her in London since losing her brother in the Great War, she warily makes her way to her new home. The abbey is foreboding, the servants reserved, and suspicious, but there is a treasure waiting behind locked doors, a magnificent library. Despite cryptic warnings from the staff, Ivy feels irresistibly drawn to its dusty shelves where familiar works mingle with strange esoteric texts, and she senses something else in the library, too. A presence that seems to have a will of its own. Rumors swirl in the village about the a- Abbey's previous owners, about ghosts and curses, and an enigmatic manuscript at the center of it all. And as the events grow more sinister, it will be up to Ivy to uncover the library's mysteries in order to reclaim her story before it vanishes forever.
0: I'm hooked! <laughs> like, I want to go and like run my finger along those dusty shelves and pick out those tomes and light a fire and read these books. So I will
1: say, reading the summary, and even when I was telling one of my friends about this book, as I after I had finished reading this, I was like, you know what, let me tell you about this book. And they were like, that book sounds amazing. And I was like, I wish it read as well as the summary sounds. So my, let me go ahead and give you my review, and it's about a 3.5 to a 3.75. It's right around in that mark. And the reason being is there is so much potential in this book, but I feel like the author gave us very surface level things, but didn't really Mm -hmm. dive into Enough of it for me to feel hooked. And okay. I think that was my biggest kind of issue with it. She would just brush along things and move on. And I felt like I really wanted to get into it more. So, starting with Ivy herself, he's like, she loses like her family. Her dad was kind of a scholar. Her brother died in the war. She doesn't have any family left. Um, they've all passed away. She just has one friend kind of in London. And So when this opportunity comes up, she's she's never even heard of this like like distant cousin before, this Hayworth cousin before. So um, she takes the opportunity. She's like, yeah, okay. Um, But the thing is, is that she has to move in. She has to live there. Mm -hmm. That is part of the requirement of accepting the estate. is that she has to physically live there. I think I really wanted, when she's there, things start happening. But they're very small little things. Did you ever see the movie um, House on Haunted Hill?
0: No. Or not The Haunting really.
1: of Hill? like not, not the Haunting of Hill mm-hmm. house, the one that's on Netflix right now. But The House on Haunted Hill, I think, had, like, Liam Neeson and Catherine Zeta-Jones in it. But anyway.
0: No.
1: The movie was kind of good, like, 20 years ago. But it had all these really kind of cool, spooky vibes that, like, I pictured – I wanted to picture in this book. The sprawling estate, all these kind of ghostly things happening in the background. That's what I wanted. But all would happen would be, like, a hairbrush would shoot across, like, off the the dresser and onto the floor and then nothing else. Or, like – she would feel like someone's watching her, or something like that. And I'm, but she wouldn't really go into it more. And I just like I, wouldn't, if you're gonna give me ghosty things, I need ghosty things. Like give yes. me the ghosty things. I need them because I love them, and they are like I. That's like my bread and butter. Like <laughs> I love little spooky ghosty <laughs> things. Um, that that like that just really makes me excited. So I was a little disappointed. I didn't have more of that. Um. And even in the library, like, there's this whole sense where she's constantly got a headache. And I'm like, oh, okay, what is this headache all about? And, like, she doesn't really explain it so much. But um, she – it's pretty much the house is, like, sucking the life out of her. That's what the house is kind of doing. And I'm, like – and in, in a way that's kind of cool, but in a way I'm kind of like, well, that feels a little lackluster. Like I need, yeah. I need something a little more than that. Like, tell me, tell
0: me something a little more. Like give me the history of the house, maybe of someone who died in a certain way or um, an object that has someone's energy and she's using it and therefore it's sucking the light. Like, I, yeah, I need. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I just, I felt like, the way she presented this story to me, I just wanted more. Like there was a guy, Arthur, who comes along and he, I don't want he didn't even really sweep her off her feet. And yet all of a sudden she's agreeing to marry him. And I'm like, wait, like. There's not even been enough wooing to, like, have (laughs) to say, like, girl, I know you're just 23, but come on, like, (laughs) like, you're an independent woman, you don't need no man right now. Like, it's fine. But she's like, I'll do what I want, damn it. And then, like, and everybody's like, he's using you. He's not what they, like, he's not what he says he is, blah, 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 blah. And... I'm Like, oh. clearly he wasn't to begin with, but she was so just blinded to so many things. But anyway, so the book just in general, I felt like there were a lot of cliches. Um, I felt like I really just, wa- I, I needed more ghost stuff. I needed more okay. clarity into um, why this library was so... Almost off limits because when she moved into the house and she's exploring, uh, the door was locked, like to the library. And then when she Hmm. asks the housekeeper, Miss Hewitt, uh, like, you know, what it is, Miss Hewitt's like, oh, you know, I need to go in there. And Uh,
0: it's my library.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly, right? There's a lot of books in there. She finally gets the key to the library and um, she starts a lending program. Like she starts taking books to the city, and oh, it's, that's nice. Or well, it's a not really a city; it's a tiny little village. But anyway, she brings the books and she starts a little lending library so that the people of the village can like borrow the books. But it's like okay, one of the people borrows like a beekeeping book, and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. he has like a bee issue, like. Things start happening. One guy reads a book about the Black Plague and comes down with, like, the plague. So it's, like, these books are not safe for public consumption. And I'm, like, (laughs) this is cool in theory, but, like, she really doesn't even expound upon that. Like, why does it do
0: that? We don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like it's lacking maybe some backstory. I mean, I haven't read it, but, man, I'm kind of bummed. Because like you said, it has such a great premise, such great promise. Like as you're describing it, I was getting like Rebecca vibes. I was like, okay, marrying some guy that you know probably isn't that good for you. And um, you know, all of a sudden inheriting this like huge house and all the creepy books. And-
1: yeah. No, I, I, again, I, there was so much potential in this book, so. Ivy moves into the house and she does. It comes with kind of, um, I would say, a small staff that um, maintain it. You've got the housekeeper and the chauffeur, and you've got the butler, and you've got a couple of maids. So, you know, you've got your general staff, but um, not a ton of people. You wouldn't think that they're like, they're pretty much kind of living fairly fairly sparsely for it to be in estate. they're they're not like rolling in money um mm-hmm. but she's a lot better off than what she was because you know she was i don't want to say destitute but she was fairly um poor and now she has this yeah. estate so she's she's really determined to kind of make it work and um so she gets there and she's very, very stubborn and she's very ornery and she doesn't want to listen to anybody about what, but also nobody's really kind of telling her anything as, as, as well. They're like not trying to enlighten her on like the nuance of why she should escape or why she should leave or anything like that. They're just kind of like, you should leave. You should go. You don't belong here. And I'm like, this is the exact wrong thing to tell anybody. Like the moment you start (laughs) telling somebody you don't belong here is the moment they're going to like show you up and just stay like that's exactly. I don't know. I just, I think there was just so much potential. Like I said, I wish like, I mean, okay. So there was, there's even like a cool scholarly cult <laughs> in the book. That sounds awesome. Yes, I know, right? <laughs> like, there's all these cool things, but she doesn't really do enough with it. Like, okay, you've got this library that more or less eats its house residents. You've got. Holy. Yeah. <laughs> You've got the the house staff, the wait staff that seem to kind of know, but they don't want to tell anybody. You've got, you know, books that seem to be able to cause chaos. And you've got like this magical or this scholarly cult that's just trying to get their hands on this manuscript that's in this like in this library somewhere. And she just doesn't sell me on it. Like a book really needs to sell you on it, right?
0: Yeah. I just, oh gosh. It, and that's something that really frustrates me when I'm reading a book is it's like either the miscommunication trope or I'm just not going to talk to you trope. It's like, okay, like let me know why the this library is eating people. Just, just tell me straight up. I want to know, like, let's not beat around the bush here.
1: I know. No, I, I felt like, If she had just taken a little... Like, there was quite a bit of stuff I thought she could have cut out. Okay, so here's a trope that I'm not a big fan of, is amnesia. I don't like the trope of amnesia. Same. And Ivy, who is, of course, the main character, all of a sudden starts having amnesia she starts forgetting conversations that she's had with people she starts forgetting whole days and whole like like yeah she just forgets whole situations that she's been in but nobody's even telling her they're like well we've had this conversation before and she's like i don't remember any of this and i'm like "Ugh, okay i hate the amnesia trope like you're gonna Mm -hmm. have to give me something more than amnesia trope and um So that was one of my biggest issues with this story, too, is um, I feel like that's a cop out is I understand. Like, I think the author was trying to be like, oh, well, it's like the library and it's kind of more or less eating her memories. Okay, great. Maybe let's talk about that. But we didn't talk about that till the end. And even even once things were rectified, the memories didn't come back. She didn't get those memories back. And I'm like, where do they go? And apparently they went, like, into the ether or something. I'm not sure. But mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think that's one of the biggest – the tropes that – you know, you, you've you kind of talked about how the trope that you really dislike, especially with, like, murder mystery thrillers, that you hate the they've been dead the whole time sort of trope.
0: Oh, yeah. It pisses yeah. me off yeah. every time.
1: The amnesia trope for me is, like, a cop-out for me. Like, I'm like, mm-hmm. that is the one. And when that started happening, I'm like – You kind of, you lose me a little bit because I feel like this book could have gone in so many great directions. There were so many good things, so many good building blocks that she had, um, tools that she had developed into it that could have gone in wonderful directions. But overall, it was very flat and I'm a little disappointed in that.
0: I wonder maybe if like um, an editor or someone could have helped her, maybe beta readers, you know, kind of helped her steer the book in a different direction. Do you think that could have helped?
1: I think so. I really do. I think, I think, actually, she might've needed alpha readers, you know, before he even gets the beta oh, readers. Oh, alpha. Oh
0: yeah. Yeah. She might Britain. need
1: it. Yeah, no, you're <laughs> fine. Uh, but you know, she might need a couple of those alpha readers to kind of be like, all right, I feel like this is a good, this is good talking about, you know, um, Scholar cult, um, let's flesh this out a little bit. Because when she starts talking about them, they're just very flat and one-sided. Like, they only have this one intent. There's almost no other side to them. And I'm like, ah, oh, you have to have multifaceted characters. And all of her characters, except for Ivy, and even Ivy seemed very flat at points, too. Um, I just... Like, I wasn't really rooting for anybody by the end of it, except for, like, Ralph, like, the handyman guy, who was kind of the chauffeur who kind of had a crush on Ivy. And apparently Ivy and Ralph, in one of her lost memories, had kind of had a little tryst that she didn't remember, but he didn't want to tell her about it. And I'm
0: like, God, I don't like men. (laughs) Men are awful. (laughs) Like I just keep on thinking of Rebecca. I know I've said that before, but there's this like care t- care, excuse me, caretaker character, and he and the protagonist don't like have an affair or anything or um, get together romantically. But I'm like, okay, you got the spooky, uh, you got the spooky house, and you got the housekeeper, and you've got all these things, and I feel like she was maybe trying to build on like that that gothic novel that we're all familiar with and that we love, and I don't know, just maybe she took a couple wrong left turns.
1: I think she was on a really good path. I really do. And if you told me that this was kind of an alpha read or even a beta read prior to publication, I'd say this is a great start. We are like two thirds of the way there. These are the things that I would probably focus on in order to really bump up this story. And I think Mm -hmm. that's where I... I think people are giving it the 3.75 stars as an overall rating. And I didn't actually read any of the reviews to kind of find out what their general thoughts were, but that's why I'm giving it almost a similar review or rating is because so much potential, so much to work with great story premise. I need, I need more focus and more work done on the things that she's given me. And not glossing over and then trying to move on to the next piece, because that's when that's when you lose me.
0: Okay, so let's say um, she comes out with another book here in a couple years, would you be willing to give her another chance?
1: Sure, absolutely. I I do love kind of that gothic sort of vibe. I kind of like that supernatural, spooky, ghosty vibe. I would definitely be willing to give it a read and see if she's grown as a writer. Um, I would honestly go back and read some of her other works just to kind of see um, what's going on in them as well.
0: Cool. You know, this almost kind of reminds me of uh, Sarah Penner. First, we read The Last Apothecary last year. And then last month, we reviewed... um, the London Seance Society. And we all liked The Lost Apothecary, but I feel like you and I both agreed that Penner really grew as a writer and kind of grew into her own with the London Seance Society. And I'm really hoping that if Hester Fox publishes another novel, that she can kind of show some of that similar growth.
1: Right, exactly. And I I think if she keeps at it, I think if Hester Fox keeps at it, she's going to get there. Um, because I can tell that she's on a good path. She just does. She needs more. I think she needs some more critical, constructively critical <laughs> uh, readers Um, pri- uh-huh. prior to submitting them to the editor. Because I think she like I said, I think she's got a good foundation. But I also think that she's got somebody who's being a little too nice and telling her what she wants to hear and is not telling her enough to get her that four-star rating that I know she she deserves, I guess focuses in a little bit more.
0: Yeah, kind of fleshes it out. Right, exactly. For sure. Well, um, thank you so much, Rachel, for giving us your honest opinion. And uh, that's something I love about you. You're not afraid to tell us, you know, this is how I really feel about a book. and Because we're not going to love every book we pick up. It's just a fact.
1: Exactly. And that's kind of why I wanted to do this episode. Not to be critical, not to be mean in any way, but I want to be open and candid and honest with our listeners. I, I mm-hmm. for even for NetGalley, if anybody in their team happens to give us a listen just to see if we're, you know, kind of doing honor and doing justice to the works that they provide us. I'm not sure. But I want um I want them to know that we do care about giving that feedback appropriately and yeah. that you know what like this book was good i thought it was a good book um i read it and i enjoyed it but it's not one that i want to recommend right now i really think it could be it could be a very casual read if you have some time for that um, it's a it's a relaxed sort of read, and I don't think it meant to be relaxed. Uh, I think it uh-huh. was meant to be more kind of suspense and maybe a little bit more of that gothic, not even horror so much, so much as just that gothic suspense. And yeah. um, we didn't quite make it. That's a sad thing for me to have to say, because I think we really could have made it. And um, I hope next time we do. I really do. I hope next time we can make it there.
0: Yeah, awesome. Well, Rachel, do you have anything else you want to share with our audience before we sign off? I don't think I do. But honestly, like if
1: if you like Gothic literature, if you kind of like those Victorian vibes, go ahead and maybe – consider this book. You know what? And it may even be better as an audiobook. Like I might actually mm-hmm. consider giving it an audiobook listen and seeing if it plays out a little bit better for me. I would never discount it. And I think it does have a rating high enough to be considered as possibly going on a TBR.
0: Nice. Okay. Well, thank you so much audience for listening. And until next time, may your TBRs be overflowing and your DNFs be few. Thank you for joining us on this journey,
1: and we'll see you on the next page. If you would like to find and connect with us, our social media on Instagram is Books Are Magical Pod. Email Books Are magical Podcast at gmail.com. Twitter handle is podcast underscore magical. And our Discord is tinyurl com forward pod we hope you've enjoyed this episode of our podcast books are magical please join us again as we explore beyond ourselves and into the lives of others until next time open doors flip pages and connect with the world around you